Hello and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. This week's episode is with Will Tenney, who is the head of streaming strategy and promotion at Crush Music. He is the co-founder of Sun Pop Records out of New York City, and he himself is in a band called Exit. So he does a lot of things in music and he is just genuinely very passionate about music. So this episode was a very fun one for two reasons. One, I like his story. It's a really interesting story as a kid finding music early on. That's what the first half of the episode is. And two, as we get to the back half, we talk about actionable advice that anyone that's watching or listening to this can apply to either your artist project, if you're looking to get more monthly listeners and streams and build that, or if you're an industry professional and you're trying to come up with some new ideas or learn that side of it. So we talk a lot about the current day state of streaming and what you can do to promote your music and kind of how certain algorithmic uh, methods or ways of promotion are a little bit antiquated now and what the current scope of that looks like and how you can grow it more organically and properly. So I love doing an episode where we really share tangible advice. And we did that in this episode. He's a pro in that area. He shares a lot of great advice there. So for all those reasons, it was fun. Enjoy it. Let's get into it. Where are all my friends? Will Tenney, my freaking friend. What's up, man? Dude, we did it. <laughs> We're here. It's time. I So check me out. I'm honored to do this one. We've been friends for a couple years now, maybe longer, actually. Yeah. And we just see a lot of things eye to eye. Like even right before we started recording this, just the little catch up we're doing, like every time we hang out, every time we get together for the listener, he lives in New York. So it's not all the time, but when he is in LA and actually I haven't seen you in New York. So when you're here in LA, <laughs> when we do catch up every time, I'm surprised. I'm just like, he gets it. He freaking gets it. And like the way we talk about the music industry that then translates to business and the way that we look at the big picture and the, the way that things and trends are evolving and how to, how to do business properly and do well by people, you always get it. And I'm always refreshed by that. I always leave our conversations a little bit more like, all right, yeah. <laughs> so for that reason, <laughs> I you, feel man. like this, this episode has been a long time coming. And kind of what I want to do in this episode is hear your full story. Because out of all of our friendship, like I know more of what you're up to in the day to day. And I know a little bit about your backstory, but leading up to that is really interesting to me. And then just kind of see if we can share a couple ideas of some of the things you've learned and, and you've done really well in the music industry. And I think that you'll have a lot of cool advice to share with anybody listening, whether it's on the industry so. side or an artist. Uh, and you're a listener of the pod. So you know yes. the flow, you yes. know. You know what you like, you know what you don't like. And I think that uh, I think it'll be cool to have an episode with you because I think you'll bring something to it. So for all of those reasons, thank you for being well, here. Well, thank today. you for having me, man. It's an honor to be here. And before we get started, I actually wanted to make sure we were recording for this. Before we get started, for everyone listening, I just want to take a quick moment, very brief moment of appreciation for the man, Andy Cranby. For two reasons, I thought about this. One, for just doing a killer job of moving our culture forward and coming up with a great idea and executing it excellently and two just for being like an a plus guy that makes people feel good to be around like that is you're just an overall excellent human and uh, i don't feel like you i feel like you don't get enough appreciation and i just wanted before we start and talk about me for however long god knows uh just wanted to throw that out there i'm a big fan of the podcast so that's really honored to be here man really freaking nice of you thank you you got thank it you. Man. I, 
that's become the joke and you know that joke is like if it's the where are all my friends podcast i will do anything <laughs> to dodge talking about myself because i hate when hosts make shows uh, about dude, themselves so. i thought i think it's very necessary and uh if, if you're listening if you want to get far in life don't be a dick be good to people like andy cram and uh, i think good things will come there it is damn <laughs> damn and be a nice guy like will that shows up to the podcast with sidecar donuts and coffee that, that was the first yeah. my guy thank you <laughs> So to get into the thick of it, for a listener who doesn't know who you are outside of my little setup there, yeah, tell me briefly who you are and what you do right now in music. So I'm William Tenney. I William. am. Uh, yeah, it's formal. I am. When I hear that, I hear it in cursive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm head of streaming strategy and promotion at Crush Music. I uh, I co-founded the New York City-based label and management consulting firm Sun Pop. I play in the alternative band Exit. And, um, you know, a million other things, but those are my, my three primary roles. <laughs> Dude, that, that says it really well. And I think that's another reason why we're friends is we're so excited about the space that we work in that I, I at least have kind of like creative ADD where it's like, I can't just do one thing. Like <laughs> you have this dope role at Crush, like that alone, somebody could just like put their feet up and be like, this is fucking it. And then you're over here and you're like, well, yeah, I also founded this, uh, this basically record label and management company and I'm in a band and all these things. And I think that's why we get along is there's always something going on and there's always a bigger picture. And that's what I want to talk a lot about in this. It's a good life, man. Yeah. It's a great life. It's cool. And you know, what's funny is like, I was thinking about this. So again, for the listeners out there, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I might actually be like in the 1% of listeners and I listen often and uh, usually in the gym. And I, when I listen, I get so excited. Like I, I spend a lot of my life and my alone time, like thinking about what I call macro music business theory, which is just like grand concepts. And so when I'm listening to your podcast, my mind is going crazy. I have all these ideas. My, you know, they're racing. It's almost like I'm having a conversation like with the pot with nobody. You know, I'm I'm part of it. I'm thinking thing, I'm throwing things out. And I actually like, no joke, I I write them down, the ideas on my doc that, that your podcast kind of like triggers. So every time I'm listening, I'm always like, oh man, Cram asked me to be on this podcast. Here's a bunch of things I would want to talk about. And here I am on the pod and I can't remember any of them. You're so. the doc? Where's the doc? Oh, shit. <laughs> well, it's not, the doc was not specifically like if I'm ever on the podcast, they're just like concepts that, yeah. you know, I'm thinking about, well, that yeah. might help me in my life or whatever. Well, that's really cool that you say that because I, I, that's how I feel when I listen to my favorite podcasts. And I think that that's, that's why I wanted to start this, right? Like that's the idea is I want anyone to be able to sit down and listen to this and like really take away let, learn through a conversation and through some, somebody's story. Oh, yeah. And then let that spark your own ideas and let that encourage you to take some of their successes and their stories and put your own twist on it and do that. Because oh, I sure. think we can learn a lot through examples and stories. And I, I think storytelling is so powerful. So, all of that to say, yeah. don't really sweat the doc because what I've found <laughs> in doing these is like just as we talk and as I hear your story and it, like whatever comes up will lead to like whatever we end up oh, yeah. Where do You know what? I, I'm just, wherever this conversation goes, it goes, it's it going to be freaking awesome. Um, and, and, you know, I've even like the, the podcast has like helped my network. Like obviously we were talking about this earlier. I know probably 50% of the people that come on the show, yeah. but I don't know the other half. And like, in some cases I've like made really great new connections from the podcast like a good example is you know gavin chops yeah like we like of course i know who he is and prob probably vice versa i don't know but like i reached out to him and he's just like hey man you know like 
your name's always coming up. Like you should roll through. Came by my office, comes to my like monthly industry hangs now at my apartment. You know, Josh Terry, same thing. Like listen to the episode was like, I'm hit him up. It's like, dude, you know, I'm always just incredibly impressed at how eloquent of a speaker you are, how you're able to like concisely talk about macro music business concepts. And like, I'd love to just get on the phone for 10 minutes and hits me back in literally less than 10 minutes and was like, call me at 4 p.m. tomorrow. Amazing. And, and, and that's happened three or four times probably. Honestly, let that be a, a note for a listener. Like that's something where like, I've always hoped that people would do that. Yeah. Like it's not everybody that will come on a podcast and share and like open up and tell their stories. Mm -hmm. But I try, like, I feel like it's my job to curate good people, right? To be like, hey, maybe if you, even if you don't know their name, I promise you there's yeah. something cool here. Listen, you do a good so job of finding them. When you find that person, like, I think that that's really cool. I hope listeners do reach out and shoot DMs to these people yeah. because like, it means a lot when you're a guest on a show and then people take the time to listen and care. And mm -hmm. I want like people who get along. Like if you listen to a whole episode and you're like everything they said, fuck yeah, you're probably gonna get along and you probably should know each other. So hit them up and talk. So fuck yeah for doing that. Yeah. You're setting the right example. Those, those were good examples, man. So to get into you. And to, to tell the story of who yeah, you man. are and how you got to the spot that you're at now, because you have a really fucking cool position and you're doing cool things. Take me back where I like to start is like right around your days of like finding the, the beginning of your thing mm -hmm. and what that looked like. Yeah, man. So I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm unique in that uh, I always knew. Mm -hmm. I, I can't remember a time that I didn't know. And I'm also unique because uh, it Yes, I like wanted to be like a quote unquote rock star when I was younger, but I also had this like affinity for the record business. Like to me, like labels, CEOs and promo legends and people were like superheroes to me, which is kind of not, you know, the standard yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I can't remember a time where I didn't know. I think um, my earliest memory was being in the car with my mother and we'd always have the alternative radio on, uh, this would have been like 96, 97, 98. In my head, I always, I, I knew what the hits were and I, I liked being able to remember songs. I liked hearing songs that I knew. And I remember, I, I didn't know the names of bands or songs, but I would regurgitate the melodies to my mom and say like, I want to hear this again. She'd say, I'd be like five or six. And she'd say, okay, well, it's on this station or maybe we can go get a CD. Like that was a, a big thing. Um, and I remember asking, I must've been like six years old. I was just like, you know, how do bands become famous? And uh, she gave me an arbitrary answer. Well, you know, they, they perform and they try to, they try to have their friends tell friends and like gave me, you know, how you'd explain it to a five-year-old. But I remember being very intrigued with that process that this entity you created could, there was a, it could grow as an organism um, and uh, being really intrigued by that. And then, I don't know, somewhere when I was like eight, seven or eight years old, I, started trying to sell cassette tapes to my neighbors um, and uh yeah man and that's that, a big piece dude that was that was the beginning bro that's a big piece man like the people that find as kids when you find something to sell yeah, man. you know when you start when you figure out that you can wash cars or mow lawns or sell candy at school for a totally. markup like when you find that thing that's that first spark of an entrepreneur where you're like there's something here really and it's cool. so funny hearing people explain how they got to that point. So cassettes, tell me about this. This is important. Yeah. So, I mean, when I was really, really little, like, you know, asking my mom those questions five, they could tell I just had this like 
huge, uh, you know, magnetic force pulling me to music. So, you know, I started taking piano lessons, couldn't get enough. I'd play piano for, you know, hours every day. Oh, wow. So work. you've been playing music for a long time too. Yeah. So, I mean, I started, yeah, playing piano and like got, got my dad's old acoustic guitar and um, was like, okay, music is like my thing. Always yeah. playing. Um, I like in first grade, I formed like a band where I made two of my friends be my backup dancers. And I like performed in my like living room at my home for my housekeeper and my mother and uh, maybe their mothers. I don't know. So, so the show wasn't real, right? It was yeah. like my, in my home, but like you could just see, I, was, I mean, I was six years old. Like yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to do it. I had CDs and I, I had this idea based on the earlier conversations with my mother about what bands were and, and I wanted it clearly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I was forcing my friends to be in my band. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I continued with lessons, took piano, got my dad's old guitar, anything that could make noise I wanted to get my hands on. Yeah. And so I think I think it was eight years old. Yeah. Uh, my dad took me to, I think it's called Gand Music and Sound in okay. uh suburban Chicago. Oh, good old Gand Music and yeah, Sound. Yeah, exactly. We all if know you, that. If you're it's out world there. famous Gand Music and Sound. <laughs> if it, I don't even know it's still open. It probably got bought by Guitar Center or something, <laughs> yeah. but um or it's a bank now. It's just a fucking <laughs> To Capital One Cafe. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but he, yeah, he was like, he bought me a four track tape recorder. You could put a blank cassette in yeah. at four tracks. Two of them didn't work for some reason. Yeah. Um, but it was huge because I could like, I could make recordings. Yeah. For me, like that was everything. So I start. this is probably foreshadowing to, uh, for later where, you know, people should have known that I was a, I was a record man and not necessarily like a quote unquote rock star, but like, yeah. I got the tape recorder and the first thing that went through my head was rather than making a record or putting a tape in or whatever it was, I went on my computer and I printed out order forms for the tapes that I hadn't recorded or made yet. And before I even like literally plugged it into the wall, I went up and down my street. This was now in Connecticut. We had moved with these order forms and I put them in and I was like waiting for the calls to come in to order my tapes that I was making of my music. And this is like, again, foreshadowing that I would like maybe later be a promo guy. Before I even got any calls, I opened up the phone book and I started calling the houses on my street and saying, hey, just wanted to let you know, I just dropped an order form in your mailbox. And if you're willing to order a tape, I'd be willing to offer you a discount. And of course, all the parents were like, you know, this is adorable. And of, yes. co of course we will. So I'd sprint over there. They'd give me $5 in singles or something. And I would run home and I would, I recorded the tapes piecemeal. They weren't even like duplicated records. I would make them one by one. They got bespoke, bespoke tapes. tapes of me, like plugging a quarter inch <clears throat> mono into my, you know, keyboard and like playing, you know, whatever, whatever the songs were that I, that I offered. Dude, you were uh, putting in work. That's hours. And that was, man uh, earned his $5. And that was like the first, yeah, that was like, I didn't even care about the money. I wanted to like, I wanted to sell records <laughs> and I've, that's, that's what I do for a living. I've literally never heard such an early foreshadowing story on the podcast. Like for sure, people yeah. have found music and known they're like, dude, I, as soon as I saw a drum set, I was five years old. I had to play like you, you hear that oh, a lot. Yeah. But I've never heard the eight-year-old out here mail order forms Dude. following up. And and I wanted it all, man. Like when I like then it just became like a blitz, dude. My life went like, you know, you 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 get your foot in the door a little bit and it's yeah. like music, right? And then it just went like like so wide. Like I I wanted everything, dude. I remember like going to the toy store yeah. like around this time and they would sell like toy instruments, you know, a toy drum kit. Yeah. And I'd be like, 
the toy drum kit was two hundred dollars. Yeah, I was like, Mom, come on, I, I I gotta have this. I gotta I gotta have this drum kit. She'd be like, Well, you already play piano and guitar. Like, you want to do drums now? And I was like, Hell yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, I want to yeah, do yeah, drums. I need it. And she's like, Well, I'm not. It's two hundred dollars. Like, what are you talking about? We're not doing this. So I ended up uh, getting like. I don't even know how this happened, to be honest with you, but I, I was in like a commercial and they paid me $400 to be in the commercial. Done deal. And $200 went into my savings and $200 bought the drum kit. And I was like, every day I'm like, I'm going over to my buddy's houses for play dates. And I'm like, my, my mom's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm packing up the car. Just packing up the car with what? Packing up the car with my music shit, mom. I'm putting you my freaking so drum in. kit, my guitar. I'm putting everything in there. I'm like, you know, when every second no one's looking, I'm putting on my cd player and i'm jumping around pretending that you, you know, were just in i was in man i couldn't get enough and i wanted lessons and everything and uh we moved you know i think it became like i don't want to say like a killer piano player uh -huh. like but i've been the same good amount good at piano since i was like eight years old wow like i i i'm as good now at piano as i was when i was eight so <laughs> and so now i'm like a a decent player. Like I can sit down and play, but when you're eight years old, you rip. Yeah, you're like a virtuoso. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so like every time we go to like a cocktail party or whatever, all the parents, like anyone who would like, like I sound like a egomaniac, but like a couple years there, like when we had moved to Connecticut, like I remember anywhere we would go, if anyone had like heard my name, like at school, they would like pull me out of class. And I remember they'd be like, we have a, a student touring the school. We want to really impress them. Can you play piano at the assembly? Like it was that kind of thing. Whoa. So like, so that's interesting that you didn't become piano guy. Like there, there's different careers there. Like I'm hearing a couple things and there's so much in a story. And I honestly, like I want to get to, I want to get to some like practical advice and our, the, the discussions that we have when yeah. we sit down for coffee and for all sure, that. But man. It's just wild to me. Like what I'm hearing, down memory lane now. Sorry. Oh no, dude, you're good. <laughs> like what I'm hearing though is like that's the feeling of like finding your obsession. Like oh, that's man. that magic moment. It right? It's amazing. like everybody knows that feeling. Be it you know, for me, it was skateboarding and cars yeah. and music. Hell yeah. But like when you find that thing and you can't get enough of it, and you're reading every magazine and you're trying, you're going to the store, you're trying to get every single thing. Like that was you. Oh yeah. And I feel it. Oh yeah. So then I'm curious, like. Take me a couple of years later mm -hmm. because did you go to college? Like, what did it look like when you knew so, so much that you were going to be in music, but here you are like super good at piano, clearly like musically talented, but you also had that record label sell records kind of thing. Like, yeah, man. Take me to that spot where you have to like make a decision. Like, were you playing and touring in bands? Did you get an opportunity to work somewhere like out of school? Like, how did you make that decision? How, how did you? Yeah, I, I guess like, so the next logical place to jump, if it's all right, is like maybe a little bit earlier than, than college. So like what I was just talking about happens and everyone's like, okay, Will's the music guy, like almost arrogantly. So just mm -hmm. like, I was like, I don't care about anything else. Yeah. Nothing else matters. And so I, I went through various iterations of like trying to start bands, but it's impossible when you're a kid. Like no one's got the fire, like you've got it. No one wants to do it whatever. Finally, I get to be like 15 years old and I'm like, enough is enough. Like I'm starting the, the real band. I'm, I don't care who's in, I'm finding whoever's going to be in this. And yeah, I did what most kids do. And, um, at this point I had come in, you know, moved out of like the world of, you know, blues, jazz, and classic rock, which is traditionally where like students learn. And I had discovered 
our community, which, you know, I guess you call it like the alternative community. Yeah. You're like, finding like bands yeah. that are playing warp tour and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess it was, it, this would be like early days, like 99, 2000. So oh, like, like Blink 182, Green Day. Yeah. Like, the, like that. yeah. The warp tour was like yeah, Sugar Ray. Yeah. Blink 182. I guess it was like 2006. I was like just in high school and I was like, I'm starting the band now. And this is like what I'm doing. This yeah. is going to be the band that like, you know, puts me in arenas and like, you know, puts, Puts me on the map. Game over, baby. You know how to do the mail order. <laughs> <laughs> You've got the band now. You have the phone book. And the formula is uh, tried. Yeah. True. <laughs> it it turns out that we weren't all that great at making music, mm. but I was super um, music business savvy. Mm. Like I, you know, you were the business guy. Yeah, like more so than any manager we ever had, and like mm. everyone knew it. Like I was, I was the guy driving it forward, and so to kind of you know fast forward it you started this band did like the local scene start playing shows you do teen centers whatever you build your following you do your thing gets to be like 2008 2009 now i'm 16 17 years old i'm like okay parents like we tour now this is what we do and they agreed to let us go out for eight days in the northeast in my parents suburban yeah um did that whole thing and uh yeah man it got at some point, there was like a, you know, a, a development record deal in there, mm. changed the name. It became sort of like a, later on, it became like a real thing. And then finally, I guess to like really fast forward, I was, my plan was to do college and band at the same time, mm -hmm. tour summers, tour weekends, whatever. And I did. And I think eventually college, college won. Mm. And I think, and, and uh, I didn't think that that was going to happen going in, mm. but, uh, you know, we become slightly less arrogant as we get older and uh, i'm i'm really glad that that's how it went that's so fucking interesting dude because completely not knowing your story like you you said all of that and i felt it you said you did the tour in the suburban and i was like oh yeah oh my god the first tour in the suv borrowed from someone is like that feeling it's everyone so knows embarrassing, it. dude no it's so it, it, embarrassing it's so rolling up to the venue but like that's so interesting to me because i have always felt that in those pivotal years like when i've talked to the artists and the bands more so the bands i guess but it doesn't matter when you're at that like college tipping point where you're starting to tour and you're trying to do it i kind of have like a bold view on this where i'm just like you can't do both like as much as i kind of try to lie to myself yeah. about certain things and i try to be like yeah like find the time da, 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 mm -hmm. i think like you need that conviction of like i'm all the fuck in right now on the band thing mm -hmm. and when you are at that like not sure of college and band the other bands that put every day and not the weekends in the summers in or the weekends in the off time in get those other opportunities and it's almost like talent doesn't win the consistency wins mm -hmm. and that's a bold like i don't mean to say that to discourage people that do try to do it right. it, it can be proven and people have done it but it's interesting to hear you say that. And it's interesting to hear you be like, yeah, so college won. And I did that. Yeah, man. I mean, so at that point, I mean, if I started touring when I was 17 yeah. and the band officially broke up when I was 21, mm. you know, you're tired. You know, coming out of high school, like we we're in a pretty good place. Like, like I said, we didn't have very good records, mm. but there was something there. Mm. Um, we were, the following was like semi-real. You know, we'd go do like Northeast Circuit. We'd show up to a, a teen, you know, the drill. What was the band? We're in a band called Call Me Anything. Call Me um, Anything. And we were never That's huge. why your IG is Call Me Will. That's right. Holy shit. Okay. 
Um, we were never huge, but I think because um, I was so motivated and and I like to think music business savvy, we were able to compete even though we weren't good or cool. Interesting. At like kind of a higher level. Interesting. So, you know, coming out of high school, it was like, it's kind of real. Like, you know, we'd come home and 200 kids would show up or you go to Rhode Island, 150 kids show up. And so you're like, oh, there's something here. Yeah, you have. There's it. something yeah. here and it's super exciting. And then all your friends go to college and they're doing the college thing and they're getting older and it, maybe they're maturing a little faster than you. And my plan was to go to college and this was a way to... I went to a school where they were super focused on work experience. And I was actually, the reason I picked the school, which is completely for the wrong reason, was because they were allowing me to tour as mm -hmm. like a work study. Smart. And so I was like, okay, this is a way to appease the people that want me to go to college. But not, and I can also like do the band. So for the first two years that I was there, I, I, I almost didn't go to college. Sure. Like every single weekend I was gone. I only had like a few friends. And it was just like a place that I lived and sometimes went to class. And it was just something I did in between being on tour. Like we would skip class Friday, leave Thursday, drive to Rhode Island, do Rhode Island, Jersey, Philly, whatever, and then come back to Boston. Yeah. Eventually, like, so now you're, you know, you're four years in, the band's going okay, but like, you know, you're still not making real money. Mm -hmm. Your friends are like getting internships in accounting, like life's coming at you a little bit. And I got back from a I'm not going to name the, the band, but like got back from a tour with a band that you and I probably know. And um, it was cool for us. We were out with a band that we looked up to a lot. And at the end of the tour, the weekend, they were like, all right, like we're going back here. Like this is where my parents live and he's got to be at work tomorrow. He works at, you know, so-and-so bar. I got back to school. I saw like one of my friends in passing and he was like, oh, I'm going to like, uh, I'm walking over to a party right now. And I was like, and a party like i i don't really go to any parties like i don't really know that many people here like i was thinking about the band like living at home and i was just like you know maybe this isn't it anymore yeah maybe yeah. maybe it's time to try something else yeah and uh we had just come off like a really big like moment like we had gotten actually richard reigns oh cool had us open the boston house of blues and it was like a huge moment for us and we had just had like some chart success with our record and it was like a moment we thought it was like, and all that happened, people were like, oh, what's next? And I just kind of saw the writing on the wall. I was like, all this is happening. We still don't have any money. Mm. We still don't have, you know, it's just like, and I was like, all right, we did one last show. We played at uh, this place in Boston called the Middle East with, uh, yeah. with uh, gosh, at the time they were called Hollywood Ending. Now they're called 7715. Oh yeah, Dan Garrity. Yeah, Shout yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. And it was great, man. It was like sold out. We did one last, one last hurrah, and then I was just like, "That's it, I'm nice. not in the band anymore." Yeah. yeah. So then college. Or, yeah. Or so, so then, so, so is then, this where we get into music business, Will? Well, again, I was like, I was always music business, Will, and sure. everyone knew that. So then, what's the career like? What's the what's the line to you working at Crush? Because you founding Sun Pop came before that. Yeah. So okay. So so whatever. Come towards graduation. And this whole time after being in the band, I ran um, just like a, a studio out of my apartment in Boston. So I would you like- You really never stopped doing music. Oh, never, man. So <laughs> I, I would like write and produce bands. Oh um, my God. Actually, in the, in that time when I, I, I got my first gold record, right when I was about to graduate Northeastern because I had been just like co-writing and producing for a bunch of artists. And one of them just ended up getting signed to uh, Warner Spain. 
sure. and sold like, you know, apparently they were like a big radio band in Spain. And I just like, as I was graduating, I was like, I got this, my first gold record. So I was like, man, I really can't, can't leave this shit. I got two offers for jobs coming out of school. I got one from Sony mm-hmm. and I got one from the the bank that I, I worked at Goldman Sachs for two years. Oh, um, damn. So I, and I had an offer from Goldman and like, I wanted to go take the the Sony job, but to be honest with you, like the offers were just so wildly different from like a salary standpoint. Yeah, not everybody has that the two to compare to, but the finance world is definitely more lucrative. Yeah, so I was like, I thought about, I was like, you know, okay, I've been in music at this point for my entire life. I thought I had like a world of experience. I was like, I can go back to music when it's time. Mm -hmm. I don't really wanna go be someone's assistant at Mm -hmm. Sony and like Mm -hmm. whatever. So I took this finance job, worked it for two years and all the while just started like plotting my escape. <laughs> I was like making killer money. Yeah. I was like, just moved to New York City, like didn't have to worry about any expenses. Like I wish I had been better with money back then, like and thought about the long term, but it was just like, I never had to think about rent really. And I just like, money came in, I did whatever I wanted to. And I just started like plotting my escape. I was like, all right, I'm starting this label. I kept running the studio out of my apartment um, now in Manhattan. And uh, I'm starting this label and that's just like how it's going to go. And we were really fortunate. I started uh, this label and management consulting company called Sunpop. We signed a couple records that, like I was saying earlier, turned yeah. out to do pretty well. That was like 2014, 15 or 2015, we signed our first record and it, you know, miraculously, it had some hot AC radio success. Uh-huh. And uh, it's actually the most epic moment, dude. Check this out. So Please. I'm in, I'm at 200 West, which is the Goldman Sachs headquarters. And like, I'm getting pretty tired of it. Yeah. I'm tired. I'm I'm getting up at 5 a.m. every day. I'm working on finance. But like while I'm at the office, I'm like slinging records, dude. I'm like signing shit. I'm fucking like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not there. Yeah. I'm physically there. I'm not there. I'm literally going into like conference rooms, like pretending I'm like talking to partners. I'm like on the phone with bands and shit. We sign this record. Literally, I'm in the office. It's May. I get the email back that SiriusXM The Pulse is going to debut this record that we signed. Now, like SiriusXM The Pulse these days is like not that cool. But like for me, I'd never had anything I'd worked on beyond radio ever. Yeah. And I like it's not like now where like I talk to all these people all the time. Like I was talking to like a music industry person. They're like, we're going to air this seven times this weekend. Here are the times. And like I wasn't even done with work, dude. I straight up just like stood up. (laughs) I went downstairs. I had my coffee. It was like the first day in spring where like you didn't have to wear a jacket. It was so sunny. It was cool, but you like could not wear a jacket. Halsey's new Americana had just come out. I had my headphones in. Spotify clicks on a new Americana. I fucking push this door open. I walk out in the city. I'll never forget this. Take a big like breath of crisp air in. And like, honestly, the rush of like oxygen and everything going through my fucking body, I literally started to like tear up and I walked out of Goldman Sachs and I like looked up at all these buildings. It's sunny. It's the first day of spring. And I start to just like cry, dude. I, I like, I, I, I left work. I got on the train. I went home and my dad, who usually would like, you know, he's a finance guy. So like he would reprimand me for like leaving work or whatever. He was like, dude, we gotta, we gotta go celebrate. We gotta get, let's get in the car. Let's listen. It, it, it was a really, uh, it was a special moment, man. He, we drove around in my dad's car. He was the only one home for some reason, just me and him. And we, we waited for it to come on and he took me out to dinner afterwards. And 
he like kind of knew at that point, I think, just me and him, like he was like, so what do, what are you thinking now? Yeah. And I don't think I said it directly, but I, I remember we went to this like pub. We were sitting at the bar, just me and him. And I just said like, yeah, I don't know, man. I think I'm gonna like, I think I'm gonna figure something else out. And I think he knew and I knew three months, two months later, I was out. I was starting the business. That kid who was on the radio ended up playing Madison Square Garden the next year. And uh, the next kid we signed was like, I was telling you earlier, we sold 150,000 records with him. So, <laughs> but I'll never forget this dude. Like it, it was a, it was a physical reaction of me walking out of this building. I have a thing with the sun. Obviously my business is called sun pop. I have a connection with this star yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. it just like beaming down on me, the crisp air. I like breathed it in. We are the new Americana. <laughs> And I was just, holy shit. Like my body was just like oscillating at just the right frequency. God, you just did such a good job. Like that was fucking storytelling, dude. I was there with you. I, I was in New York it, in It was movie-esque, bro. And meanwhile, fucking Tanner next to me is like looking at this kid having a fucking a visceral epiphany. reaction. Yeah. yeah, and I was just like, get out of here, Tanner. Yeah, fucking Tanner, Jesus. <laughs> um, okay, here's where I want to pivot because this is crazy. And this is where I want to like really pick your brain on a technical side, right? Like yeah. You've done such a great job painting the picture of you getting to this spot. You started a fucking label. I did, yeah. A for lot, better or for worse. A lot easier said than done. I make Definitely. literally dozens of dollars doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tens of dollars. <laughs> My profit and loss is yeah. marginal at best. How do you fucking start a record label? Like, what, what did that actually look like? Like, outside of the story and the anecdotal, like, oh, cool, you did mm -hmm. it amazing. Like, what did that look like? Did you establish an LLC? Yeah. Did you, how did you first start signing bands? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what is that? How does somebody listening to this that's like, yeah, I fucking hate finance. I'm doing that. It's my time. So, so I we, feel the sun. We didn't really, yeah, <laughs> we didn't really know what to do. We just knew what we wanted to do and we just like started. Mm. So like found this record. I was telling you about the radio record and um, I was just like, all right, you just like start troubleshooting. You're like, okay. Can I ask you who it was? Yeah. So it, it's an artist that actually is still signed to the label. Um, he's still there. Those guys. Um, it's called Dylan Rockoff. Okay. The first record is called Feeling Fine. Cool. It was a pretty... It was a, it had good hot AC radio success. It was on the Today Show. It eventually, like I said, led him to go to Madison Square Garden and he's still active today. He still sells records and tours and- um, Amazing. So how the fuck does Will from Finance go and sign Dylan? Well, I had been at, uh, you know, I've been in music forever. So yes, I'm still yeah, very involved with the community. You had your studio, yes. I was managing at the time, uh, this kid called Drew Chadwick from Emblem 3. He, there was, Dylan was like at college and someone said, oh, like, I know you're managing that kid on Sony, but like this kid is really talented. You should take a look. And Got I just it. told him, I was like, hey, so we're going to do all, the, I'm going to try and do all this stuff for you. Uh, but you're gonna have to pay for it. And he was like, okay, how much? And I was like, um, $750 for six months. Perfect. <laughs> and so we did it and it like kind of worked. And so then I was like, all right, again, just troubleshooting. I was like, we'll keep doing this, but we're going to take 15% of your recordings. Mm. And then, you know, turned out we went on that, we did a tour so you're spending a lot of time in the car with these guys. It turns out the drummer, you know, on a long drive, pops in. He goes, oh, well, I make music too. Here's my shit. And I'm like, all right, well, like, do you want to sign to this label? 
And he was like, yeah, sure. Would you do for me what you did for Dylan? And I was like, mm. fuck yeah, dude. Mm. So made that record. And like I was telling you earlier, this, this was probably one of the first 50 or 100 records to really go viral on Spotify. Wow. This was like before that was even a thing. Like, can, I, can I know that? Yeah. So the, the artist was called um, Valentine. Uh-huh. The record was called Can't Let Go. Um, and like it was right in the area, like the era 2016 it came out where like, I mean, the first class was like a real Spotify artist was like Lauv, mm. Verite. Um, There's a handful of them, but he was one of them. And yeah, like I said, like the platform liked it and it just went like we we got our first royalty check and opened it up and it was, there was $35,000 in there. <laughs> so I was like, okay, shit, like maybe we need to start. Thank you for sharing a number, by the figuring way. Figuring some more shit out. Yeah, you got it. So I, on the podcast though, like that's, it's helpful. Like it's cool yeah. to hear an actual number because somebody's like, oh well, shit. It, okay. it was streaming like, you know, on it was streaming like 10 million times. Like we were viral in every country. We were going to take meetings at I was literally going, I was like going to take meetings at like 300, uh, like, you know, Atlantic was reaching out, like everyone, it was like a record that was going, it was a hot record for yeah, sure. Yeah. And um, just for background, Valentine is now one half of the juggernaut streaming group, Fiji Blue, if you've ever heard of them. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. Big, That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, they're killing it. And he's a great A human and a great A musician. But anyway, so yeah, we just like, we just troubleshoot it, man. We're like, all right, well, we're not going to take the 90% that majors take. Right. So like maybe we'll pay for you to make records and we take like 30%. So you knew your place. You weren't trying to take yeah. advantage of people. You were just like, it was, it was a very genuine you being like, fuck finance. I've found this bit of success well, and not, I want to build this. Not fuck. But I, okay. I actually <laughs> love, I, I, I mean, I, I love Goldman. A lot of respect for that firm and the team there and i actually like really liked being there it just wasn't for me got it but, okay okay, but okay. yeah that, yeah no I, that's no bad i'm glad you clarified but you're just like you really found something that you were very passionate about and it was trial and error and figuring it out and being like all right like what if i take a percentage and this is what you need yeah and, it was very, and, and that was sort of like the we didn't know it at the time but we were like literally doing what is now common practice and like known as like the distribution deal right and right. we were just like, okay, well, we're going to pay for your records. Yeah. We're going to offer label services to the extent we can. Yep. And we're going to take like a heightened royalty. It's yep. going to be more than management because we're offering more, yeah. but we're going to take way less than a major does. And it's right. going to be great for everyone yeah. and we're going to make it work. So, and then what happened because we had that success was like all of their friends started hitting us up and being like, can we, and so we had like literally every week, 10 new kids coming our way. Got it. Like so literally you, you made a product that spoke for itself. Oh, yeah. Your product was good enough. And it was legit kids. Like, I, like straight up, dude. Like I went and got beers with Lauv. Wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, like, do, I don't know if you know who Dwilly is. He is like a big producer and artist in town yeah. here yeah. in LA. Like these were all people that were like coming to us being like, can we be on your label? And we were like, all right, we don't have the capacity for this, yeah. but if you guys really want to be like, our, like want our services, like you can pay for them. So that's where we opened up like this management consulting business where Got we would like offer our product, which was a suite of things at this point. I mean, it was like, it was promotion, it was radio work, it was strategy, it was advertising, it was artwork creation, digital yeah. media, like everything. We yeah. had four people. I was doing the and grunt of the work. But. Let's paint a picture here because I, I think like, 
I'm sure some listeners know it all and might, maybe it's a little bit redundant, but I, I think like we talk about this still a lot and it's an ever evolving model, but like your typical signing to like a major, like a typical standard record deal is you're giving up a much higher percentage. If you're a very, very established legacy artist, maybe you're doing 50, 50 splits, but it's, it's typically closer to like 80, 90, yeah. but you're getting everything you just listed completely as a package right like you're getting the suite like your album's getting paid for they're promoting it they're helping you with artwork they're helping you with marketing they're helping you take it to radio if it has the success or the possibility yeah and of course like there's various levels of like you know you make the argument like obviously umg is like a global well-oiled machine with like much more resource you got to know what you're getting into like right not knocking what those guys do yeah they have like a you know a global reach and a you know majors have like you know usually pretty (laughs) a great team so yeah. it's like there's there's a, a scale of like how effective a team can totally. be. totally and and like i really like i don't have a side like i love with the podcast like i'll talk to indies and people who have done things completely independent i'm like hell yeah no, there's a there's argument for I'll, both i'll talk to people that work at majors like uh, minority like dude, completely it's depends. a blessing to work with him yeah. and that whole team so completely i think everybody can do things in any space but just painting that picture and that's where i feel like it is an interesting model and there is a viable side of both options yeah is for certain people they want that major label but how, however you're giving up not only a higher percentage a lot of deals then involve your merchandise sales oh, your totally. touring yeah. like every place where you're making money in music right. there will be a percentage well, paid and now the majors though like are, are offering more of these like distribution type deals because, because they like can't compete right because the use of the world yeah. early did that and right. That's that I think again where so we, we did get, that for you. You're welcome. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're welcome. That's where you address camera. Yeah, you're, welcome. you're welcome. Just one quick disclaimer, because I don't know if I've been clear about this. Um I, I'm not uh I'm not directly involved in Sun Pop. Any I was a co-founder, yeah. but I, I I'm a crush guy now. So just yeah. so, so we're clear. There's yeah, a, yeah, I'm there's glad a great you. team of people that that run that business and um I would certainly know how to find them if if you're interested, but I just want to be clear about that. But it's really cool to hear how you did that and how that took place kind of ahead of its time it was and, cool man yeah and so like yeah so then at that point so like what ended up happening was that record those records like you know died down as records do we didn't sign a big deal which is kind of like and right. our consulting business kind of became like our what's kept kept the lights on oh wow. you know so we were like you know we'd have five clients a month mm-hmm. i mean we didn't charge as much like back then like we weren't charging so much as we uh, you know at yeah, your services As they do get now. more valuable. You well, you know, we had five clients paying anywhere. Some some of them were paying $1,000, but some of them were paying $2,500. So mm-hmm. it was like a real business. It was kind of like a real thing. And we started getting real clients. So mm-hmm. like we worked really closely with the, the UMG stream team and we would actually share clients mm-hmm. where like I would use, there was a guy, RIP, who used to run the streaming business at UMG called Jay Frank. He's a data genius. And um, he would like help us work records with his resources and we would help him work records. And so we started getting these real clients, UMG. And I was building a project at the time for someone that was referred from Crush. Um, like an artist, I was, I was de- you know, they, they had said, oh, we can't develop this artist, but like maybe, maybe you would want to. Yeah. And, you know, I'd never been hit up by anyone like as legendary as Crush before. Yeah. So even the fact that like an email was coming from yeah, someone yeah. there was like, okay, like I didn't even care if it was like a polka group, like I was taking it. Crush has had respect for so long. Like uh, they've just been- The absolute best in the business. Um, shout, shout out to Team Crush. God. It's crazy. Like you're so right. Like you say that 
And like, it still holds up. Like you get an email from Crush, you're gonna open it. You're yeah, gonna read it. You're gonna be like, oh shit. I was like, I, and, and it wasn't like a Crush project that they were like really considering, I don't think. But it was just, you know, they were like, they were like doing me a solid. Like someone there knew about me. Mm-hmm. I was like, here, do you want this? And I was like, not only do I want this, I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna do an excellent job and I'm gonna report back in 90 days. So oh, yeah. I took the project. I literally called up Christian Metis, who was like my homie, the producer behind you know, Lovely the Band, Oh Honey, Pink, Hillary Duff, Hot Shell Ray, whatever. And I was like, dude, Crush just called me. I'm bringing this girl in and we're gonna make a couple fucking records. Clear your fucking schedule. So roll over, we make some records. I get an EP ready to go and I'm like, okay, hang on. These aren't like hit songs per se. They're not bad, but no one's gonna buy them and I need to report back. So I was like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. I was like, we're gonna host a release party and the release party is going to have free alcohol for anyone in attendance. Here's the catch. To get an open bar wristband, you have to pre-order the record. Everyone loves free alcohol. We, we pre-sold like a thousand copies. Held this party at this bar. Right at midnight, the record shoots to number 10 on the iTunes chart immediately. And so I literally the next day called them up and I was like, hey, uh, thanks for the project. We're top 10 on iTunes which was important at that time. It doesn't mean much now. No, no, like, no that was very important. Here's what's going on. Like, have a nice day. Like, I'd also, we'd also taken out a page in like Substream Magazine. Yeah, I was dropping it. It was like, boom. Like, if you got any more, hit your boy up. Don't hear from them for like a week, but like, they're like, hey, so what are you doing now? And at this point, I still was like on my own running this business, consulting business. I had like tried to like get another company to like absorb us so that I could go work somewhere, but it wasn't working out. I had a friend at Atlantic and they were basically like, okay, you can be, you can like, I'm like, dude, just give me a desk. I don't want to be paid. Give me a key card and a desk. They're like, we don't do that. And I was like, well, how do I get in the building? Like, you have to be an intern. And I was like, okay, fuck, I'll be an intern. I'm not going to do like the, the program, but I'll be a fucking intern. And they're like, well, we can't make you an intern because you have to get like college credit otherwise we're like technically like doing slave labor i think that's so dumb by the way yeah it's weird that bothers me so much i've been in that position where i'm like look i know my worth i don't care i'm willing to work for free because i believe in you and companies are like we believe in you this is sick we don't have a spot where we can pay you <laughs> yet but we also can't have you as an intern because of the stupid college technicality that yeah bothers me weird, anyway man. continue but i wanted like i wanted to be somewhere because i could see like okay yeah we made some money from like being on my own but i was like okay, it, it comes in waves and I would love to have like a paycheck. And so whatever, I, I got in my car and I'll bring this all full circle. I know I'm rambling here, but I got oh, in my car good. and I drove to Norwalk Community College and I walked into the registrar. Oh my God. And I'd already graduated by the way. And I was like, hey, listen, I need to buy a credit for a class. And they're like, okay, what class do you want to take? And I was like, well, is there a music class? I go to the professor, I buy the credit. I'm like, listen, Here's the situation. I I had the success. I'm trying to get a yada. I'm trying to get a job. I need to be an intern. I can't get an intern for no college credit. And then she's like, okay, here's the deal. I will let you do this, but you're gonna have to actually take the class. And any opportunity you get, you have to shine a light on how great community colleges are for the country and by offering affordable education to everyone. So every chance I get, shout out Norwalk Community College, you were a, you know, a very pivotal moment in my career. Let's go. You and held I appreciate true to your you. deal. It came up in your podcast episode. Norwalk. Yes. Let's Norwalk. go. It's, it's a great school. Uh, it, it's affordable. And, um, you know, they're doing a really great thing, offering um, affordable education to 
to the community. So, um, so I, I went back to Atlantic and I was like, Hey, <laughs> where are all my friends first? At? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I'm, I'm good. I got, so they gave me a badge. I was like in the intern program. I was like their worst intern ever. Um, so anyway, I get this call from crush and they're like, well, what are you doing now? I'm like, okay, I, here's the deal. I took out a community college credit. I got this desk at Atlantic. I still run this consulting business. Yada, yada, yada. And they're like, oh yeah, you've been doing streaming promo for artists. And like, we were like those days, we were like breaking artists on like third party playlists. Like that was a real thing you could do. Yeah. And, um, so everyone, like we'd get hired by like real artists. My person at crush looped in. Uh, another person who's now like essentially the president of the company. And he was like, Hey, Will, Will, can you show Dan this thing you're doing about playlists? And like, I opened up my spreadsheet and I like took a screenshot of one line item. And I was like, yeah, Hey, nice to meet you. We like, I built a, I built a database and um, we've been promoting records. And like, these are some of our clients and like, that's sort of what I've been doing. And I remember he just responded and it was like a one line email. It was like, can we see more? And I think I just responded with a one line email and just said, no. <laughs> and, and then they like, they had me into, I didn't even know it was like really an interview. They're like, why don't you come by the office? And I like, I think after like two or three times, I figured out that they were like interviewing me because they would like bring me in. I thought it was just to like catch up on the projects. I was like, oh, good to see you guys. And then they'd like call me back the next week. And I had a friend working there. He'd be like, oh, Will, you're in all the time. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm friends with Eric. Like, And then after like the third time, I was like, oh, oh, they're interviewing me. And then they were like, do you, would you want to come in house and, uh, and do what you do here? And um, I said, yeah. And I was originally like a radio streaming hybrid. And now I uh, run the streaming department. You brilliant, brilliant <laughs> man. This is so good. There's a lot of things I'm hearing in this because- you said it. It was a slightly different time. And things that worked then don't quite work now. Oh, yeah. Priorities weren't the same, totally. right? Like iTunes, like when you could get an, uh, an album on the iTunes charts, that was big. Everyone was downloading yeah. from iTunes. Everyone was paying attention to iTunes. Yeah. So if you see an artist on the top of iTunes, you'll probably listen to it. Maybe you find your new favorite band. It was very good. It was mm -hmm. very one central place. Totally. Different now. Yeah. Third-party playlists on Spotify, Spotify algorithms. It's all evolved. You found the strength very early. And you kept playing into it and you kept building it and building it. And then that leveraged you this opportunity. And I feel like that's a lesson right there. That's, that's like, cool, man. that's a timeless lesson, right? We, we hear these things. We, that's what I look for in the podcast. I'm like, I see you. I see you leveraging strengths. And look how well that paid off. Like, that's so freaking cool. So as that was paying off, like, what, what did you learn from that? Like, like. Now you have this job yeah, and that's what you do. And it's an ever evolving industry. And we were talking a little bit before this started is like, it's almost a bad word now to hear somebody be like, playlisting, yeah. playlisting, did you yeah. say playlisting? So it's like, what, what's that look like to you now? The way that Scrappy Will figured these things out then, what are you paying attention to now? Like what's, what's actually compelling? Well, I mean, it's a big question, but like to, to speak to like what you're saying about playlisting in general, like, yeah, I feel like people, when I tell people what I do, they think that I like quote unquote pitch for playlists. And like, to be honest with you, that's a very small part of what I do. Yeah. And that part of my job is just not very interesting to me. I mean, pitching for playlists is something that anyone can do. It's, it's not, you know, you're. It basically is just a 
it's whoever's got the most prominent product wins. Right. So pitching for playlists is like a, something that everyone does now. And it's just, it's not very interesting to me. Um, I really enjoy the parts of my job uh, that are a little bit outside the box. Like when I first came to Crush, playlisting was a huge thing we were talking about, but we were also like, okay, like what is streaming? And like, where do people stream music? And we, you know, had the conversation, like people stream music in movie theaters and in, in Ubers and grocery stores and airplanes and hotel lobbies. And we're like, who programs those? What happens there? Yeah. Do we have, can we have relationships with those people? And I, you know, we helped, um, you know, when I first came to Crush, we really, uh, you know, carved out a great little corner of like the, the retail streaming business where, you know, in over a hundred thousand stores across the country, um, we work with, you know, brands like Starbucks to, you know, deliver them music to play in their coffee shops. Uh, I've talked to hotel chains. I work with airlines to program, you know, what's on the screen. And, you know, we work with DSPs now in all sorts of ways. Like all the DSPs have like advertising space, out of home advertising space in Times Square and- Define DSP, sorry. Uh, digital uh, streaming platform. Yeah. Just for like all of the, yeah. like the Apple Music's, the Spotify's, yeah. the, any, any of those DSP, platforms. digital sales platform, digital streaming platform. Yeah. Um, it is kind of an interchangeable term, like depending on who says yeah. it. But- uh, Totally. Yeah, sorry. And- um, you know, I, I'm much more focused on the numbers and the data than trying to acquire playlists. Like, yeah. you know, I'm a, a big part of what I did at Goldman was, you know, spreadsheet based numbers based. I'm just kind of like a, I'm that kind of guy. I like to think that way. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I coined this term. I like to think I did called algorithmic returns, which is, um, basically like I, I realized that if pretty early on that there are things that you could do to have the algorithm, which is the code that digital each digital streaming platform is built on. There's things you could do to have the algorithm work in your favor. And what I realized pretty early on is that if you do the right things, your algorithmic returns consistently can be greater than any playlist ad. So I, I very early on when artists, you know, playlist is like the golden word. Sometimes it's the only word they know. Can you get me on playlists? Like, how do I get on playlists? Yeah. It's like, it's almost like I roll my eyes. I'm like, I think I, I realized that you, they were focusing on the wrong things. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I really pride uh, my portfolio at Crush on the fact that uh, they're very strong algorithmically. So can you share some of those things? Like, obviously, I don't want you to give all your sauce away, whatever. You have a whole job. But like, give me that one line that you sent to Crush. Like, what what can an artist, what can somebody listening to this do that would help algorithmically? Like, well, what the, some of the things? The found? one line that I sent to Crush was just like a line item from my, at that time, third-party database. No, I know. But I'm just but saying. Yeah, like, what, like what uh, algorithmically, th I mean, just like some really easy things. And I think you've, you've probably talked about this with Ben and... Uh, Josh, the streaming council, the streaming council, which I've been left guest. out of. Yeah, yeah I was going to say you need to join it's, for it's, a streaming it's a, council. It's a version episode. three thing. They just they're just like we can't have competitors in this bitch. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> You're coming on. Um, you know, like a really easy thing. If the goal is for artists to build their monthly footprint, I feel like, which I think they are a lot of the times, yeah. is you use monthly listeners as like a gauge. Mm. Um, is to uh, release products consistently. Four to six weeks. I guarantee you that if you release a single every four to six weeks for a year, your monthly listenership will at least double. Um, so that's a really easy one. Um, that's great. 
you know, using advertising to build a profile of your listener and and target those people to get really sticky listeners that will uh, put positive data onto your song. Mm. If we're talking about Spotify specifically, we're talking about release radar and discover weekly returns. Mm. I don't know how specific that was for you, but those are a couple of things. No, no, no. That's really good. That's really good. I, I just, I love things like that. And uh, you said something a second ago that kind of got me thinking, and I, I think it's it's good, but it's kind of a bitch. Um, you used to be able to game algorithms and you used to like, it was a different model, right? right. And you could do your things like your, your uh, everybody gets a free wristband, but you have to pre-order the album and then like that many pre-orders <laughs> yeah. will spike it. And I, I just, I think it's a little harder to game stuff like that. And the unfortunate, but also good truth that I'm seeing lately is the product speaks for itself. Like, so true. You really, like, so true. you can put, like maybe an analogy is like, if you don't have a fire and you're pouring gas on the sidewalk, it's just going to sit there and dissolve and it's, you know, it's anything. But if there's already a fire there and you pour gas on it, it'll go crazy. So it's like, you need as an artist or in your business and profession, like you need to start that fire yourself right now. Like people can't do that for you. And I think like the tech companies that have built these algorithms be it streaming or just social media, like mm -hmm. it's really hard to build that fake massive following now. Oh, yeah. And it has to be organic. Well, they've, they've dialed it in. I mean, right. like, you know, we talk about the early days of Spotify. We didn't know the beast. No one knew the beast we were dealing with. Spotify didn't know the beast they were dealing with. Yeah. Um, you know, you could get back in the day, they, it just wasn't dialed in. You could, if you were added, there was a three playlist combo. Mm. And if you were added to any two of the three, you went, uh, you, you made the viral chart. It was just like a, it was a, it was an equation. No way. It was that um, simple. Because. A simple time. Of yeah. It was, it was, and um, we, no one, people just didn't understand the beast that they were dealing with. Yeah. And um, they've dialed it in since. Like the algorithm is like much more um, regulated now. Yeah. Uh, especially at Spotify and even like TikTok, like, you know, early days. Think about the ways that those artists, like the Lil Nas X's of the world or Trevor Daniel or whatever, you know, whatever your example is, think about the ways that those people broke on the platform versus the way that people are breaking on the platform now. That's because yeah. they're dialing it in. They're changing things. They're changing yeah. the way things work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, like, there, because there's two lessons to me there. One, don't shake a stick at technology because as new platforms come out, you will find those times where you can finesse an algorithm and like get your, your leg up. So I, I always try to embrace new technology and find, you yeah. know, like right now, YouTube shorts is kind of having its own little yeah. moment where they're saying, please, for the love of God, care about us. Yeah. Like if you hashtag anything short, they're like, here's views. Yeah. So like, you'll see that. You'll right. see the little times where like. It was the same way with reels. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, because yeah. every tech company is competing with each other yeah. and the people are the product. So if you give them the product that they want, they'll be like, here you go. Here you go. Yeah. Use us, please. <laughs> but that's fleeting. You can use it, but that's right. not, don't build your business off of that. However, the timeless lesson that's kind of a bitch, but kind of encouraging is your product has to speak for itself and it has to be good enough to stand alone. And if people genuinely like it, it will get noticed. So that's a bitch, but it's also hopeful. And I view that as a thing of like, well, good. So just focus on the product then, right? Totally. And I had uh, Kenji on the podcast, who's an right. independent artist. Yeah. And I think like, Kids, like I don't really know this like, episode. This he way. he's like a you. It's not out yet. But by the time yours, no, just is out, we were talking about it earlier. It will be yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, like he 
reminds me of you, but he's an artist still, mm -hmm. right? Where he's like so business and numbers and he like really, really broke it down and looked at it all. But the thing that I heard in his where I was like, fuck, I need to apply this to where all my friends is like, he built a community. He mm -hmm. understood a funnel. He understood, yeah. oh, this discovery, a, a listener, a fan comes from this, this, and this. As soon as they're they're in and they have oh, my yeah. the eyes on me, I need to convert them to be a real fan. Mm -hmm. So he has this amazing discord and he interacts with people oh. and he learns these people. That's where you win. Well, I mean, that and, never goes away. I mean, to your point, like, yeah, we we are in a, a market right now where uh, there are frankly just like much less industry tactics at play. Mm. You can't like, it's much, much harder to like manufacture something like you could in say like the 90s or the 80s. Yeah. And the product speaks for itself. Like what kids want is what naturally sifts to the top. Yeah. Uh, and, and you see it all the time. Like I, I won't name names and I'm not calling anyone out, but like you see, you see this all the time. You get like a 20 year label executive who retires or gets laid off and then they go on, they start their own thing and, and everyone's excited to sign with them, but they sign something that's outdated or that was their idea of what would work, what, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And like, everyone says, oh no, well, but this person's in charge of it. And so they're going to make sure. And it's like, and then you kind of see, they're like, well, what happened with that person? That didn't really work because like, that's not how it goes anymore. You, I'm sure you can make a phone call and like maybe get a look or two, but like if it, Kids don't want it. Kids don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a, such a good point. And I also think that it comes back to the, what I always think about is like attention. I think attention is so valuable. Like everyone has the same 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if somebody chooses to give you the honor, the time of day to stream your whole song, to watch your music video, to do, to tell a friend, like that's time. That's so valuable. So when you really dial it back, I always try to like shift that attention to like, how can you give your ideal consumer something that they're going to want to spend their time on? Mm -hmm. And again, it's like the, the product itself will speak for itself, but it's interesting. I just like these conversations. I don't know where they go. I don't know what the resolve <laughs> is, but it's just no, like, no, it's, it's interesting to talk about. And like, and, uh, like to what you were just saying, there's like, it's pretty clear right now when you, you like go and look at an artist, you can kind of like, there are metrics in place and on the internet, you can kind of tell what kind of artist they are. And there's all these different lanes. Like, you know, there's artists like Kenji, right? Mm -hmm. Who you can tell might not have like a millions of listeners, but like, you know, that it's a really special community around him and his music and they're super engaged, right? And then on the other side of that spectrum, you might have an artist, let's just say like an electronic artist or a DJ who does have millions of listeners, yeah. but the, you know, the attachment to the brand or to the artist is very, very small, if yeah. at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, you'll see that too. Like I, I see that in touring and tickets. Like yeah. you can see people that have so much hype and attention online, but like you can almost feel feel it if the engagement isn't real and you can be like this tour is not going to sell well or like you can you can feel it and you can feel when the small independent up-and-coming artists like there's just that community and then they go out on tour and like kids show up oh, everywhere yeah. like i don't know those things are there's a there's a band that um that just did a single with uh with sun pop um they did a, and um they're called pop tropica sluts Tight. And um, it, it was like totally like that. Yeah. Like they, you know, they don't have 
like 100,000 monthly listeners, but it was so apparent that the community was real. Kids are getting tattoos and people, it was just like a real thing. Every song they put out, they keep growing. They just did Knitting Factory and sold like 200 tickets. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, shout out to, uh, to the Sun Pop team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so cool. Throughout all of you doing what you've done and putting pieces together, if somebody is listening to this mm -hmm. and they have similar thoughts and they feel like they could use the help or the, they want to, they're like, all of these things align with them but they need that nudge and that help to get noticed or they feel like an independent, like a sun pop or something would take notice. Like wh what are, and now that you work at Crush and you, you see all these things, like on the artist side, like what are ways to get noticed by the right people to maybe help them build that? I do think anybody can do it themselves, but like what, what are, on the, about that industry side, like what are y'all looking at? I mean, I can only, of course, I can only speak for myself on that. Um, but, you know, the things, I guess, that, to be honest with you, uh, the things that I look at um, is I, I, when I look at an artist, I try to decide like what lane they're in. Like we were just talking about, like, are they, like what's happening here, if anything at all? And you can yeah. tell pretty quick. Like it, the first question is, is anything happening? Yeah. To be honest, like when artists send across their music, the answer is usually no. They're relying on you to try to make something happen for them. So that's the first thing. Like if nothing's really happening, you know, that's, build the story more. That's a tough one. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, you, the, the records might be amazing, but we have a surplus of good records in the world. That's right. not that's not the disconnect, right? Yeah. So, you know, and that if something is happening, I try to see like what bucket, what bucket it's in. Like, do they have like an incredibly strong streaming business? Are they killing it live? Is it both? Is everything small, but the community is super engaged and it just needs to be scaled. Like, so I guess to directly answer your question, I just, I, I try to see if there's a direct path for a business. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, that's I, awesome. That's I, great. It's like, if to speak to my earlier point, like I don't, and again, this is just for me. Like if you're sending music over, it's like I said, it's not like the days where like we can just press a button and make you a thing and you're just trying to get your shot. I don't wake up every morning and say like, man, if only I knew more talented artists, I would be so successful. I would make really great records. It's like, I know so many talented artists that I literally don't have enough time in, in my day to service all their phone calls. Mm -hmm. And so like when, you know, a, a friend of a friend or a family member says, oh, I know this person, could you meet with them? It's like, yeah, of course I can. But just like I said, like there's a surplus of good artists and good music in the world and mm -hmm. good records. Like that's not the disconnect. The disconnect is trying to figure out a path to get them across and make it a business. And so, if, you know, for me, it's like, if there's nothing there, it's, I don't, I just, it's really hard for me to think about what anyone would do with it, crush or otherwise. That's really good. And, and I don't, I don't want to set you up to sound like an egotistical guy answering that. I think you're very humble and it's not like you think you're the shit, but I think that that needs to be like, like just that message and getting that thought into your head, no matter what you are, like what you're doing with your career, but specifically artist wise, like people want to help you, but like, how can you clearly state like where your business has potential Yeah, outside of the talent? Because like, I mean, dude, even me, right? Like how many fucking podcasts are there out there, right. right? Like you have to figure out your way to like translate it so clearly of this is why you should pay attention and this mm -hmm. is what it is. And that's a constant struggle, but I personally think people need to pay a lot of attention to that right now. So I'm glad you shared that. That answers. Yeah, it. it's like if so. If you're like uh, to be really explicit, 
Like if you're going to send an email, like here would be like an email that I would like real. I read them all, by the way, of course. Mm -hmm. um, I don't respond to them all if I don't have to, but I respond to some and I read them all and yeah. I try to listen to everything. Um, here's an email that like I would respond to. Let's go. It's like, hey, Will, um, I saw you uh, in XXX, whatever it is. Uh, I wanted to share this project with you. It was just featured in X and we've seen an 80% month over month consumption since it came out. And I think it might be something that would interest you. Uh, and if we had a little help, it could be X. But it, you know, like I'll, if you send me an email, like here's one that literally happened yesterday. Send me an email and they're like, hey, I wanna send you a DM. Hey, I wanna send you these new music. I said, okay, cool, I listened to everything. Here's my email, send it to me. He sent it to me, it was just three files. And I was just like, hey, like, I'm not sure what I can do with this. Um, I listened to them. I think they're okay. Keep me up to date. I'd be happy to listen in the future. Yeah. And he responded and, and he said, okay, I didn't even send you the two best ones, but cool. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> like, yeah, how you like, how on your side, how are you supposed to help that? But like, you can't read minds. If, or... and, and this person happened to be a rapper. If he was like, but one year ago, I sold 200 tickets in my hometown. G-Eazy's coming in six months. I'm working with the promoter to be on the opening slot. And I've been talking to so-and-so at, at AWOL, and they're really interested. And maybe you could talk, or like, is Empire cool? Like, let me know what you think. And like, may, just like, give yes. me a, give a path. Like, right, right, right. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, it's, it's interesting. And all of us can apply that. That's not just a lesson for an artist. Is like, Really being like when you're sending an email, like, what are you asking for? What do you want? Yeah. How? Because people can't read minds. So like when you send that email, why should they care? And what's your ask? People's, people think that the button exists and they just want to send you your music and for you to push the button on it. And I'm here to tell you with 100% certainty, the button does not exist. Right. Yeah. There's no button. Good. If there was Good. a button, I'd be pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would be doing everything possible to chase. And, and if you don't, possible. and if you don't think that's true, go really look at whatever the most recent crop of major label signings are. Go see if you can find them. And you'd be surprised how much bigger you might be than some of them. Yeah. And if there was a button to push, they would be pushing it on those acts. Yeah. That's huge. I love that. I and love as that. another disclaimer, my opinions are mine. They do not reflect crush or any of our artists or anything totally, like that. Totally, totally. And that that is also something that I try to preface in this podcast is like, it's not like you're like the world's biggest streaming pro and like the best. And like, I try not to make it this thing of like, here's Whoa, the most dude. qualified. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurts. Um, but yeah, it's just like, this is just us chopping it up. And these are conversations that you and I have all the time. It's just, we put some mics in front of them. So it's like- Some really nice mics. Yeah, but, you know. uh, but yeah, man, dude, I, I just wanted to say like, uh, Thank you so much for having me. When when I have these conversations, uh, I really remember like it's it's easy to forget not just music in you know in in every path, but uh, I really remember how blessed I am to like lead this life as a as as a music person, and um, not because of anything that it does or doesn't afford me like monetarily, but just because I get to work on stuff that I love and I get to have an awesome life and an awesome fiance and home and 
everything in my life is just, it really makes me realize like having these conversations with you mm-hmm. uh, or having these conversations, conversations in general, just like how lucky I am. So thank you for having me, man. I don't know if this was the end or not, but I wanted to say that. I have one more question, but I also like, I like that you shared that. And I think that that's actually like, again, not to make it about you, just like your acceptance speech and being, I'm so awesome. I'm so thankful. Like Everybody should do that. Everybody should take a second yeah. and, and find that gratitude. Like, bro, I broke my leg. I couldn't walk for like six fucking months. Like every day, even if I have a shitty day, I'm like, I can fucking walk. Yes. Legs are fucking awesome. And when you come from a place of gratitude and you just take those things where you're like, all right, I'm not the most this. I'm not the most that. I could use a lot more of this. Yeah, That's fine. But I guarantee like anyone has those things that they can stop and be grateful for, right? Like you have so many things on your list that I'm sure you want to accomplish, but here you are and you're like, this is actually pretty funny. Well, it's, it's so cliche, but like, I'm not trying to be cliche, but like, seriously, like take a second and, and, and you know, the, the only point in life legitimately is to be happy. That's it. There is no, I mean, obviously you don't want to like at, at the cost of other pe- people's happiness or anything, but like, you know, the, the, the best thing you can do for everyone around you and like all your loved ones is just like live a full and happy life and find a way to like be be grateful for it. And um, I always tell like whenever my fiance is like feeling sad or whatever, I'm just like, okay, repeat after me. Both of my legs work. Both of my arms work. It was kind of sunny today. I have, my parents are healthy. Like whatever. Yeah. No, no shade if like, you know, you're, any of those things are not the case for you but <laughs> right like but just find find those little things and be yeah. appreciative all right the final question all right dude the final answer nice um i like to look back and on that kind of being thankful but like just the the perspective now that you've you've gotten to a, a, a new level if you could go back to a version of yourself at any point in your career because you have had so many different lanes the whistle um where would you go back at the point of the most turmoil or uncertainty and knowing what you know now would you have changed anything would you what version of will would you go back to and what advice would you then give yourself oh god i uh well going back to like any past version of me i think like the advice that i would give to myself is just like try to be nicer to people uh, and I think you like, as you just get older and wiser in general, like, you know, I, I look back on two months ago and I say that about myself, but like, you know, when, when I look at like my 19 year old or 17 year old self, I'm just like, you know, kids are, you're, you're closed minded, your kids, you're arrogant, like you're rude sometimes. And it's just like, there is nothing cooler and there's nothing cooler than being a kind, grateful person to everyone around you. And if you're not if if you if you're not doing that, it's because of something inside of you that's you know, not sitting right and eventually you like come to realize that. So I think I would go back to my earlier self and like be like it's okay, man. You don't have to you don't have to be like that. You don't need to bulldoze people. You don't need to write people off. You don't need to hold grudges. You don't just like it's it's all good. There's nothing cooler than uh than being that. Not, and I'm still, I, I think everyone is continually working on that. You know, like I said, I look back on three months ago and I say, oh, I shouldn't have talked to that person that way on the phone or yeah. whatever it is. Um, but like- That's a great piece. And I, I work with a, a great guy called Capone. And um, he told me very early on in my career, uh, I think I said it at the beginning of this podcast, he was like, you want to get far in life? 
don't be a dick. And I, I hold that so near and dear. Um, and, w- and when I talk to people, and now I'm going on a tangent, but like when I have altercations, you have them all the time in business, right? Yeah. I, and I sometimes have to vent to my fiance and I'm like so worked up. And she's like, why do you get so worked up? And I'm like, listen, to be honest with you, I'm not worked up because of the altercation or what happened. I'm worked up because I was that person and I know whether it's in six months or a year or whatever, they're gonna regret it or they're gonna come crawling back because the business is just too small. You know what I mean? Like you you have to be good to everyone and I'm not mad about what happened. I'm, I'm mad for them. I'm, I'm sad for them. I'm like, dude, I w- I've done that before and I can, I'm trying to tell you it's not the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you, <laughs> so that's it. That's the advice I would give. It's church right there. That's great. Bro, we did the thing. It was You're a good man, time. Andrew Cram. I appreciate you. You're Thank you for man. having me. Um, I hope I hope this is as good of an episode for the listener as I find them to be when I'm listening. Um, I don't know if it will or won't be, but as a host, I, I feel pretty you. satisfied. As a host, I'm like, yeah, this is I mean, my favorite thing in the world is the days where I'm like, I get to record a podcast. And I feel fulfilled in having recorded a podcast. Who's better so. than Andy Cram? Who's I hope, better than this guy? I hope that's it. Oh, oh, where can everybody find you? If, if they um, did like this episode and they want to shoot yeah, you a DM. You, I mean, if you, like, if you like the episode or you want to chat or talk shop or whatever, um, I'm call me underscore Will on Instagram. Um, I'm Will or William Tenney on LinkedIn. Um, and that's kind of like two things that I do. If you want to... DM me. I don't know if I, I'll, you know, I, I give out my email pretty regularly. Just, uh, I, I hope to hear from you guys. Yeah. yeah. Talk shop. There it is. There it is. <laughs> You're the man. You. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Dude, it was an honor. Thank you for doing it. Let's go. Thank you for coffee and donuts. God damn. You got it, bro. So there you have it. Another episode of the hit podcast. Where are all my friends? I hope that you liked this one. I hope you did get some good, valuable insight from it. I hope it sparked some new ideas. I loved what he had to say about like, he'll listen to this podcast at the gym and he'll come up with ideas. Like, I hope you're doing that. I hope you're using this podcast as a resource and it's helping you think of new, fresh ideas. Like that's what I wanted this to be. So let us know if that is that for you. Make sure to hit him up on Instagram. One thing that you can do that not only helps me, hopefully it helps everyone around us, is share this episode with someone else that you think would like it, whether it's this specific episode or the podcast as a whole, the more people that are finding it, the more people that it's helping find their path in their professional careers, the more it grows, the more I can talk to other people and the more of like a community and an ecosystem we can build. And to me, that's the coolest thing ever. If you do such a thing and you really, really want to support the show and let the world know, I have some Where Are All My Friends stickers. And I mostly send those out to people who support on the Patreon. But you know what? If you made it here to the end, you're a real one. You're listening to the whole episodes. Shoot me a DM. Let me know your address. I'll mail you some stickers. I just want to get the word out there. Outside of that, let me know more guests you want to hear from, more specific people that you think would be helpful, other specific topics you want to hear about. I love hearing from y'all. I love trying to make these episodes as good as they can be, cover topics that need to be talked about, all that good stuff. Stay in touch. Let me know all those things. And I'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you for listening.